You're listening to the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca, presented by the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, your home for RMAC football content. Now, to your hosts, Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, week two of the Top of the Mountain podcast, season two. Myself, Jimmy Pilato. I'm here with my co-host, Rev Coca. We had a jam-packed week one. Most of the games took place last Thursday when we were, we were recording. We're recording again Thursday night, and now the NFL is happening. So we still have uh, events transpiring while we were trying to get this done. But we did want to get back together because the opening week of the RMAC, no conference games, which is surprising. Uh, no conference games coming up this week as well. I can't remember the last time that happened. Uh, so we got a lot to get into. Uh, once again, this is the Top of Mountain Podcast. Jimmy Plato and Rev Coca presented by the Variety Sports Network. Uh, super proud and uh, excited to be a part of that uh, brand that's growing as well as D2Football.com. Rev, uh, week one was wild. I can't believe it's it's already time for week two. Uh, are you of the same mindset as me? It's weird not have any RMAC games so far at this point in the season. We're about to get into week two and uh, big zero in the record in the conference record column in the standings. So it seems a little bit strange to me. Yeah, it's definitely weird, but that's a result of the RMAC format changing ever since the team formerly known as Dixie State moved out of the conference. So that freed everyone up to have an extra non-conference game, which I guess New Mexico Highlands and Fort Lewis didn't take advantage of. So perhaps they'll play one less game, but it's definitely different from the old RMAC format of getting 10 conference games a year and having 11 teams in there. So, you know, it, it's definitely cool to see RMAC teams not have to play the same teams every single year. So that extra non-conference game to maybe travel to a different environment, whether that be California or in this in the case of this year, most of the teams are playing Texas or teams in that Lone Star Conference. So mm-hmm. it's definitely different from our times a little bit. Yeah, we were we were in for uh, 10 conference games, so we only got the one out of conference. And sometimes we didn't even um, necessarily take advantage of that. I can remember a few times where we, we just played a total uh, RMAC conference and that was it. We also got to play Humboldt State, which was cool. We we actually were part of the team that got to go out to Northern California and experience a monsoon in October in the Northern California Pacific Northwest area. That was my first time uh, up there that I can remember. Before we get into the uh, last week's games of the week, which as a reminder, it was Western Colorado at, at West Texas A&M and CSU Pueblo at Midwestern State. We'll talk about those two games in depth. Uh, we do have the NFL season starting and also a little bit strange for me, the Bengals and Steelers, our two respective NFL franchises, are kicking the season off against one another. We've had plenty of debates, arguments, gone back and forth. Uh, we debate this topic quite often because we are division rivals in the fan in the teams that we are fans of. Uh, it, I am glad that we get to start off against Mitchell Trubisky. I will just put that out there first. Mitchell Trubisky's named the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you 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 wrote a preview for the uh, Belly Up. Uh, sports.com what are you thinking of this game coming up on Sunday do you think that your Steelers are going to get their first win against the Bengals in a full season I can't believe that I got I get to say that but it'll be their first win since uh, 2019 excuse me 2020 against the Bengals if they they are able to walk away with a win on Sunday 
Yeah, it's a very rare situation to be in, seeing that the little brothers of Cincinnati has finally got a little, you know, they got a little head full of steam. But ultimately, yeah, Pittsburgh is a team that you look you look at on paper and perhaps they may not have the most offensive firepower, but when you look all around, it's a well-coached, well-structured team with Mike Tomlin and there isn't any huge holes outside of maybe the offensive line. That's okay. Maybe that's one thing that's kind of got me scratching my head, seeing how that's going to turn out. But outside of that is a well-structured team. Mitchell Trubisky, while not the most consistent, is still a guy with tons of physical traits. And he showed, especially in that last game to the Detroit Lions. Yeah preseason game so I don't know how much stock you can fully put into it but he showed the ability to fully orchestrate and drive the offense the traits in which made him the first selected quarterback in 2017 whether or not you believe you deserve that draft rank regardless the physical traits and, tr- and tools you'll see that you'll see the dual threat ability and ultimately I'm not necessarily st- I'm not necessarily panicking about Pittsburgh this year. They had less resources last year with a big Ben who his arm was, his arm was wearing down. His arm was shot. Yeah, it was, it was completely shot. It was a wet noodle. Yeah. So whether or not we finish with a better record this year, because the AFC is stacked, I don't know, but I feel more confident as this team just being more of a threat this year than they were last year. So yeah, I, I predict us being beating Cincinnati at least once this year. I don't know if it'll be this game or the next game. You know, it'll be good to get the season off to a good start, but I think we'll beat Cincinnati at least once this year. So won't be surprised to see us win this week. I I agree. I'm kind of of the same stance for the Bengals. I think that they're probably gonna finish with around the same record that they did last season. And I don't know if that's going to even win them the, the division because I think the division around them is better. I think I agree with you that the Steelers are better and they were a playoff team last year. I think that the Ravens are going to be better. Uh, they have a lot of interesting stuff outside of actually playing football. And then the Browns are the Browns and we all know about that situation. So I, I think the AFC as a whole is, is better. And I'm confident that the Bengals won't completely fall off the edge of a cliff uh, and put me back into the dark ages. I'm kind of glad that we play Pittsburgh week one and we get to play against Mitchell Trubisky. I think that they're going to split as well. I would say that the Bengals are going to win this weekend. That's what I picked in the far end of the bench pick them this week. I think that the Steelers get them when we be- go back to Pittsburgh. I can't even call it Heinz Field anymore. The one thing that I liked about the Steelers, they go, they go and change in oh, yeah, this season. And it's not, yeah, I don't even know what that is. Don't even know what that I is. Know, I know neither of us, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's still high as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I still call uh, the Broncos Stadium in Vesco sometimes. So some things never change. Um, that's a little bit of an NFL preview. If you want more in-depth on the Bengals-Steelers game and the Steelers season as a whole, check out Rev's uh, article that he has coming out on bellyupsports.com. If you search Rev Coca on Belly Up Sports, you'll be able to find all of his stuff that he's put out for them. And before we start recapping last week's games of the week, we wanted a uh, – Quick shout out, Row One Brand at the Cool Stub on Twitter. If you go to RowOneBrand.com, you get 15% off anything in the art gallery when you use code VSP15. VSP15, proud partner of the Variety Sports Network, this podcast, and all of the other great shows that you can find when you follow Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. Uh, last week, let's let's get into it. CSU Pueblo, we'll start there because that's a positive note. Uh, we're both going to have to lament a little bit when we get to the Western game, but we'll start uh, on the positive side, and CSU Pueblo seems to have their offense back, or at least that's what it looked like this past weekend. 59 points, get the big win on the road in Midwestern, uh, 
a little bit sketchy towards the end. Uh, I was getting updates from the stadium. My parents were actually made the trip out to Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, endured the heat, all of that good stuff. A little dicey at the end, but really, if you think back to where CSU Pueblo was last year after week one, I remember writing about it for, for my column. It's It was dire straits. I know that they were playing a, a totally different team, and, and you go from uh, – you were playing Grand Valley in, in this slot instead of Midwestern, but that was still very impressive. I mean, there, were, there was talk about Stephen Kroll not being able to finish the entire game as quarterback. He ended up throwing for 396 yards, did throw an interception, but hey, you, you kind of got to take the good with the bad. Um, overall, just looking at the team stats, total first down, CSU Pueblo led 30 to 14, 180 rushing yards, 396 passing yards, five total passing touchdowns. That's kind of insane. Two rushing touchdowns uh, for a total offensive output of 576 yards compared to 308 yards. So Midwestern definitely didn't lay down and didn't make it easy. Um, but this this has to feel totally different, especially going into a, a tough matchup to now facing the number four team in the country uh, in the Grand Valley State Lakers this weekend at home. So I, I was thoroughly impressed with what the Thunderwolves were able to put out on the field on Saturday. Yeah, what's more impressive about this game, and not necessarily the fact that Pueblo won, but the manner in which they manner in which they won. We, we've always known them as being the defensive stalwarts, you know, the team that's hard to score on. But something that's always been lacking is a true quarterback in which they get trusted. And yeah, it's only week one, so we can see how things go and how Stephen Crow goes for the rest of the year. But ultimately, if they can get consistent play out of Stephen Crow. And that just adds another wrinkle in which CSU Pueblo doesn't consistently have. And that just makes them more dangerous in postseason games or opportunities to make it in the postseason. And whether that's, you know, through this regular season going against the RMAC or even this game against Grand Valley State, which is going to be a big test. You know, something that we're not really used to seeing out of Pueblo is that dynamic passing game. So if Stephen Crow can pick it up. That makes CSU Pueblo a lot more interesting as a team and that they're showing something that don't, they don't necessarily show very frequently. I agree. If it's going to be consistent, the Thunderwolves and Thunderwolf Nation is going to be in for a very exciting season. I can't wait for when uh, CSU Pueblo does play Colorado Mines, if this is going to be the case week in and week out. I am just slightly nervous because looking at, at the uh, statistics, it's not like it was probably because they kept getting the ball back. So maybe that padded Midwestern stats a little bit, but there was a few times uh, just looking at the, the longest uh, av average completion rate for Midwestern was going about 14 yards down the field, which is not great when you also give up over 300 yards passing, uh, they were able to stop the run, which is what they always do. I was really expecting a defensive battle. I can't believe how wrong I was about this game, looking back at it. Uh, defensively, though, for CSU Pueblo, I'd like to see a little bit higher of an output. Uh, looking at some of the individual performances, highest uh, total tackles, Daniel Bone, uh, Trey Botts, Max Gonzalez, Keith McKinney, uh, Makai Scipio all had at least four solo or at least four total tackles, a couple TFLs, no, um, no real sacks or anything like that. As I'm looking through here and the one interception, uh, Eli, excuse me, two interceptions, Eli Pittman with the first, with one and Corey McClellan with the other. So it, it wasn't great, but it also wasn't terrible. There's definitely things that they can improve on. Um, and you also have to think, be thankful that it is week one 
So you were able to get away with some of those mistakes. I think they'll iron themselves out. You're going to have to play a damn near perfect game to beat Grand Valley State. I'm actually really, really excited. I'll be at their game this weekend. Um, I'm excited to see Grand Valley State in person because I've had to talk about them now for two seasons and have never actually seen them play. Uh, overall, final thoughts, what do you think of CSU Pueblo as a whole? Is there anything that does scare you? Like I said, the defense is what makes me a little bit hesitant to to push them and, and move them up in the rankings. But they were, of the top three in the preseason list, they were the only team to get a, a victory in week one. Yeah, and ultimately, this is a great confidence boost that Pueblo needed right before, like, a win against Midwestern State, which they were a solid team last year, which a couple unfortunate matchups just left them out of the playoffs. But regardless, this matchup right here is a perfect confidence booster to set them up against, I believe, the number four team in the nation right here in Grand Valley State. So I think from there, they got a lot of momentum heading into this game, you know, battle tested. And yeah, this, this one right here is going to put them in a perfect position to compete. They're going to be riding an all-time high. The momentum of a win from last week is going to carry into next week. They're going to be energetic and have a good preparation. And prepared for a good game against Grand Valley. Yeah, overall, the focus level seems to be a little bit higher, and they're definitely going to need all of that. Um, let's move over to the other side of things. Ended up being one of the worst beatings that uh, the RMAC took all weekend. And I know it's it sounds harsh when you say that. Uh, West Texas absolutely put on a clinic on Saturday, 44-6. to six, Took all of what Western had, being ranked nationally now, having the playoff appearance, West Texas looked at this team. I don't necessarily, obviously we don't know exactly. We don't know ex how the locker room felt like we did when we were both playing in Gunnison. But from the way the box score looks and looking at some of the stats, it seems like the way that the scoring summary went, Western thought they were going to be able to be one way and they were just never able to recover. Now, granted, you the third quarter, you actually give yourself a chance and, and both teams are held scoreless. Your offense was totally anemic. And we said last week your offense was going to have to be so much better than it was last season because you lost all that talent on the other side of the ball and you did not get anyone to step up on the offensive side. Uh, Connor Desch only threw his 10 of 21, 103 yards and an interception. Nethercott came in 7 of 11 for 67 yards and an interception. 17 of 33 total, only 170 yards as you can get on uh, get in the passing game. And then your rushing game is held to 125 yards. Uh, your leading rusher, Braden Hogan, not sure why uh, Josh Cummings wasn't playing, 86 yards and uh, no touchdowns whatsoever. It's bone dry when you're trying to find any kind of offensive production. Um, and defensively, they never really had any help, which – we're it's something that we're kind of used to when talking about Western Colorado, but it's still just so disappointing because this team was on the right track. And don't you think that you would have taken advantage of trying to prove yourself and trying to solidify yourself instead of just being the spunky team that had the, the great season? Yeah, I thought that was a disappointing loss. And looking at the box score, it looks just like, no, if you told me this was a box score from a game back in 2017 or 2018, like I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. It just looked like one of those games where the offense just couldn't get any momentum going, couldn't find their one playmaker, couldn't find their one go-to guy to match with the firepower or what was going on the other side with West Texas A&M. And ultimately, regardless, 
if you have a good defense, a bad defense, if your offense can't do anything to keep your defense off the field, then they're going to get worn down and they're going to get beat up. And it felt like one of those games that we had back in those seasons in 2017, just ultimately no offensive firepower and the defense got worn down. Yeah, and looking over at the West Texas offense, uh, passing-wise, you didn't really give up a ton, except these are the the catastrophic errors that can't be made. You gave up a 50-yard touchdown and also 118 yards on six receptions to a a kid named Noah Bogardis. Now, if I knew a little bit more about West Texas football, that might be a little bit more impressive. Then you give up a 58-yard passing touchdown to uh, a kid named Kenneth Red. That was his only catch, but you give up two long touchdown passes and – I'll be honest, this this seemed – you remember that game where we went to Alamosa and they had the one stud receiver and they just kept throwing go routes and go routes and go routes and nobody could just – there was no stopping it. That there, It was like a faucet was turned on and you'd go to turn it off and it was leaking the entire time. You gave up 250 yards rushing total. Um, I, I just really don't, don't know how to put this one there, – there's no sugarcoating this one. It was bad. You're going to have to make a really quick turnaround – uh, you're still out in Texas. You're playing Texas Permian Basin. You're in the heart of oil and football country uh, in a new place that I know none of these kids have played in before, unless uh, maybe there's a transfer or two in the locker room now. Uh, my confidence was at like, a, will say a seven. My confidence has dropped down to a four and it was very quick. This, this was such a shell of the old Western that Fortunately, I hadn't had the chance to talk about on this show, but this is exactly what I was afraid of all that season when we were talking about, wow, this is great. Can they keep this up? Can they keep this up? And they did not keep it up this weekend. That was that was bad. Yeah, loss like that is really going to make you redirect your expectations for the team. Right now, I'm at the point where I'm thinking, I just want them to be competitive in the RMAC. Hopefully, they show more life against Permian base, and I can't necessarily say – too much about this team's identity, what they like to do, and, you know, the recent success in the division. I can't tell too much about that, but it's one did, of those yo, games. They did lose their opening week as well. They lost um, last week. I'm pulling up the score currently. Um, they lost to Southwest Baptist, and they got beat up pretty bad too, 41-17. Uh, so this will be their home opener, and, and they're going to be looking for their first win of the season. I think that both of these teams are are trying to salvage some some semblance of pride, to be honest. Yeah, when you lose two All-American talents, it's, you, you get put in a point where you have to rebuild, you have to restock. Didn't necessarily know how where like where they'd be in a rebuilding process, but that first game right there is an eye-opener that perhaps there's a little bit more rebuilding and restocking that needs to be done with this team. And ultimately, you just want to see them be competitive. Pulling off some wins would be even better, but just at the very least, be competitive. Show that you can still hang with this team right here in Permian, which also is going to need momentum. Show that you can fight with these guys and then head into the RMAC with about as much steam as you can give, about as much momentum as you can carry from this game. So, yeah, definitely one of those games that makes you redirect what to – makes you reconsider what to expect. Yeah, and it might be better for them to have a little bit lower expectations from where they were. Um, if you go out there and you play hard and you don't get embarrassed two weeks in a row by these teams, I'll feel a lot better about where things can go as they get into our MAC play. Um, 
results of this game, West Texas goes from an unranked team all the way up to number 19. Uh, CSU Pueblo, after their win, bumped up into the top 25 for D2Football.com as well. They're at 24. And uh, we mentioned Colorado Mines last week. They were in a dogfight with Grand Valley. Grand Valley ended up completing their own comeback and getting a three-point victory. So Mines fell from number three down to number nine. So they're hanging on to a top 10 spot by a thread. Uh, like I said, good and bad of the first games of the week. A uh, lot of a, a lot of games coming up this week. Only team in the RMAC not playing is New Mexico Highlands. I'm trying to figure out how to get my column posted. Uh, the service, the website service is not letting me log in so that I can get it posted. I do have all of the predictions. Um, but before we get into talking about, we do have a game of the week for this upcoming week. If you're a fan of the Shadron State Eagles, you probably want to stay tuned. I I definitely, I'm not going to slam you as hard as, as I would have if, say, we were talking about a Western versus Shadron matchup. This is Western versus another team that I, or excuse me, Shadron versus another team that I don't really like. Um, but before we get talking about their matchup against Utah Tech, formerly known as Dixie State, you got to talk about In the Clutch Sports, in the clutchsports.com. You get 10% off your whole order when you use code Variety Sports. That's Variety Sports, all one word. It's all capitalized. You get 10% off your entire order. Uh, be sure to follow Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. If you want to keep up with this show specifically, follow uh, my other podcast, social media, the far end of the bench at FEO TV Pod. It's where I post all of the links to this, uh, the top of the mountain presented by D2Football.com and Variety Sports Network. Shadron State. Makes the familiar trip, it should be a familiar trip, somewhat familiar, I guess, to St. George, Utah, to take on the Trailblazers of Utah Tech. When you texted me that this morning, I had to go and look for myself, because if you look at the RMAC schedule, it says Shadron is going to Dixie State. So I was like, who is Rev thinking that they're talking, who is who's Rev thinking that Shadron is playing this week? I don't know what Utah Tech is, or never even heard of it. It is Dixie State. I don't know what happened to where they had to change their name. Maybe it's the exposure of being at the, the Division One AA level now uh, and being able to play your games on ESPN Plus after the, the way their game ended last week against uh, Sacramento State, who happens to be number seven. I don't think that they want their games on ESPN Plus. But this is a game that if we were talking about this in 2016, 2017, uh, 2018. This would be an RMAC champ. This would be an RMAC matchup. This would be the opening of the RMAC schedule. Yet here we are. Shadron is taking on a Division One AA opponent, um, and probably as heavy underdogs, especially after the way their last game went. Absolutely throttled by Angelo State on the road, 35 nothing. The Rams had gave everything to the Eagles, and now have all the confidence in the world as they go into Golden. But Shadron is beat up, and they need a win, and they need a win bad. Good thing is, I don't think Dixie State's that good. I don't know how you feel, but I don't think Dixie State is that good, or Utah Tech. Uh, what are what are your initial thoughts looking at the Eagles versus the Trailblazers here? So it's hard to necessarily compare exactly how like how one team did against a really good Division Two versus what Dixie State did at Sac State, but ultimately, Dixie State in their game they kind of got off to a rough start from what the box score was saying, what the recaps were saying, they returned, they turned the ball over a lot early and that kind of just put them in an early hole. They gave up three touchdowns and from there, the game was over. They were scoring as the game went going there, as the game got going, the offense kind of hit their rhythm, but ultimately going down 21-0 is going to put you in a very hard hole to recover from. 
but they show some life there as Shatterin's game against Angelo State was just a completely lifeless offensive performance. Their quarterback from last year who made you know, postseason all our MAC teams is not there. They're trying to restock their offensive talent and they didn't get anything going. They lost 35-0, didn't put a single point on the board. So now that they match up against each other, this is always when they were in the RMAC kind of a matchup between average to kind of sort of above average teams, depending on the year, just kind of middle of the pack RMAC teams to kind of sort of borderline almost, you know, almost in the good tier of RMAC teams. So, yeah, they're all, they're similar to what we were talking about with South Dakota Mines last week to where they've never been in the top of the conference, but they've never ne- necessarily been at the bottom either. Yeah. Well, Shadron did have their days with Woodhead and McLean, but mm-hmm. that that was a long time ago. Now they're just kind of just a middling, okay, but not amazing team. So I expect to see a very competitive matchup against teams that do have RMAC history. So I expect to Shadron and, Dix- and Dixie State, Utah's, Utah Tech, whatever you want to call them. I expect it to be, you know, knockdown, drag out, you know, very closely contested matchup here. I said in the column, when I am able to get it posted, I said this one was a pick em. Uh When it, they used to play each other as RMAC opponents, it was a pick em most of the time. Normally go with whoever, whomever is at home. Dixie, I, t- I messaged you earlier today, too. Uh, I never thought Dixie was moved up to Division One AA because of the talent that they had. I mean, they never won an RMAC championship. They never won a GNAC championship before they moved to the RMAC. Uh, they were just an average to below average Division Two program, and they got moved up because they have the enrollment, they have the money. So, yeah, they they have the ability to move up, but it wasn't based on talent or merit, and it's been proven because they haven't been successful since moving up to the v- Division One AA level. Um, however, for some reason, they just win stupid games. I, I said it to you. Every time that we played Dixie at Western, we should have won that game. Never did they ever absolutely trounce us. Uh, even the year after we lost Eckler. I know we lost when Eckler was there too, but they came up to Gunnison and we were god-awful that season. That was the year we only won one game. And Dixie almost lost to us. And I was surprised as hell. I had no clue that was going to happen. It's just for whatever reason, they win stupid games. So I, I could see them winning this game. I'm glad that it's on ESPN+. Plus. I have a couple cousins that play for Shadron. So I'll, I'll probably check this one out if I'm not still at Pueblo or, or trying to drive home from Pueblo. But Shadron versus the Utah Tech should be a fairly competitive matchup, at least way more competitive than you Shadron fans had to sit through last week. I, I feel bad for you. 35 nothing like that to where your offense doesn't even put up a whimper against the backups. Um, That's tough, but that's especially tough because you had the chance to beat Angelo state at home last season. I mentioned it last week uh, and you blew a 14 point lead in the third quarter. You had 14 point lead going into the third quarter by midway through the third quarter. Uh, It was totally gone. Absolutely disappeared. Angelo state now has a, the, the number of Shadron, and we'll see if Shadron's able to get one back on a team that, in my opinion, should still be in the RMAC because that's the level of football, level of talent that they're able to bring in. Uh, <clears throat> that is this week's Game of the Week. We'll be back next Friday to recap that one with Rev and myself. Uh, before we get too much further, wanted to remind everyone, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you enjoy listening to the show, follow if you're listening to us on Spotify. Uh, if you're listening on the Variety Sports Network, 
Be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review telling them that you love listening to the Top of the Mountain podcast, the best source for RMAC football, both here on the Variety Sports Network and on D2Football.com. And you can follow Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. We're going to look quickly at the rankings. Still no conference matchups, like we said at the beginning of the show, so it's a little bit strange, um, but we will go down. Right now, half the lead, half the conference or a majority of the conference is 1-0. Part of the conference is 0-1, and, and then you have Fort Lewis and New Mexico Highlands, who are currently 0-0, and uh, or excuse me, Highlands is 0-1. Is they lost to Eastern New Mexico last week. Fort Lewis is 0-0. and They'll open up their season this week. Uh, starting at the top. Black Hills. Black Hills only got a 15-point victory over Dickinson State last week, 17-2. to uh, They are, I have the schedule pulled up here, they are going to be hosting William Jewell, so the same school that played uh, Colorado Mesa last week is going up to Spearfish. Black Hills right now currently the number one. The number two, Colorado Mesa, they got a, a 34-14 victory over William Jewell last weekend, last Thursday, 37-14, excuse me. And they are currently number two. And then CSU Pueblo uh, and South Dakota Mines, the other two teams currently in the RMAC that are 1-0. and uh, Pueblo with a win over Midwestern State and South Dakota Mines winning 43-20 to over Missouri S&T. So those are currently your top four in the RMAC, all undefeated teams. Of those four, I think only two are going to be staying there much longer. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm, th- I'm thinking Colorado Mason and CSU Pueblo are legit. And Black Hills and South Dakota Mines are just riding the coat. This is like a recruiting tour for uh, South Dakota Mines and Black Hills, in my opinion. Right. This is just kind of those matchups that they scheduled at the beginning of the year to build a little bit of team morale, beat up on some teams that perhaps is not a complete cupcake, but they're not matching themselves up against the best of the best. So they're just building as much as they can, get these wins in, Perhaps get something on your record that looks good before you have this tough hard this tough RMAC schedule. And yeah, I expect Mesa to be around. They usually have a good amount of talent. And even if they struggle, they'll be kind of around the middle of the pack of the RMAC. But regardless, this is a very a very talented team. I expect them to be around. And yeah, like you said, CSU Pueblo is also going to be there too. But I don't expect much out of South Dakota Mines. Colorado School Mines going to bounce back. They still have their talent. Took them a while to get going against Grand Valley State. The offense kind of had, they were kind of sleepwalking through the first half and got going, made it a game. So, yeah, expect Pueblo, Mesa, and Mines to still be there. Maybe maybe South Dakota or Black Hills, maybe one of those schools surprises me. Likelier to be South Dakota, Mines, and Black Hills. But either way, I don't know if either of those teams are contenders. So right now it's... Outside of Western, really disappointing last week. It's still kind of the Mines, Pueblo, and Mesa show. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I was, I did, I do stand corrected. Mexico Highlands also has not played a game yet. They won't open up their season until next week. It was Adams who lost to Eastern Eastern New Mexico, who ends up being currently fifth. It's Adams, Shadron, and Mines in a tie for, quote, fifth. Or uh, if you want to continue on, that's your five, six, seven. All of those teams, 0-1. Uh, I don't know why. They listed Western underneath Fort Lewis and Highlands. It must just be because they got absolutely waxed. Uh, maybe Coach Baines can can use this. Maybe Coach Baines can use this podcast as, as some bulletin board material and they get themselves back on track because with the way that we've talked about them so far, uh, I can't 
imagine there's too many people in the Gunnison Valley appreciating what we have to say or parents of those in the Gunnison Valley because I post this in the uh, Western Colorado fan page on Facebook also. Uh, but that is the end of it. So it goes Adam Shadron, Colorado Mines, then Fort Lewis, New Mexico Highlands and Western Colorado to round things out. Not really a whole bunch to talk about. It's only one week for some teams. I'm interested to see Fort Lewis is playing Arizona Christian this weekend. And <laughs> there was like one or two weeks last year where I go, this is Fort Lewis's best shot to, to get a win. And I would say when they're playing an NAIA school, even with the amount of points that they've given up. Oh, I looked this up too. Rev, how many days do you think it's been since uh, Fort Lewis has last won a football game? So I, I don't know how many days in total, but I know it's going back to 2019, probably before the game that we played against up in October. I would assume it'll be somewhere. I think we played them in late October, so I would guess maybe like they haven't won a game since like middle October 2019. Yeah, they're in a bit of a drought. Yes, they went 0-11 last season. They lost their only contest in 2020, so their last win was October 5th of 2019. It has been 1,069 days since anybody has celebrated a victory in Durango, Colorado. 1,069 days. Oh, my goodness. I don't – it's a totally new staff. It's a totally new, basically, football player base. Almost everybody got turned over after the debacle that was the last year and, and some change. Uh, I They could not have gotten any lower than that 76 to nothing shutout against Colorado Mines. I talked to Gabe Quartz when he was here. He was here at my house uh, for a birthday party, I think, and we talked to him about that game. He just goes, yeah, we were done by the second series of the first quarter because we had already scored on offense, got an interception and ran it back and got the ball back on offense. So he played two series of defense and was done because they were already up 28, nothing Fort Lewis needs something, something to celebrate. I'm, I'm actually hoping that they do get a victory this weekend, but again, you never know with that team. They might just go, Oh, and they might be Owen 22 by the time this, this two year span is over. And I, I don't even know if there's anything that they could really do about it. Yeah, it's a lot harder to start a rebuilding process right at the beginning. That's the hardest part. You know, if you have a good foundation, it's a lot easier to keep the system on the, you know, to keep the train on the tracks. But at that beginning phase, because right now, this is a start from scratch period for Fort Lewis. Like you said, they show no signs of life. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't stop anything to save their lives. So at this point, it's just, you know, tear everything down, blow everything up, start at the beginning. So it's a new era here in Fort Lewis, a new coach. Hard to say exactly how things go because of the amount of turnaround that's going to be here for this team. But in a matchup where it's RMAC versus non-RMAC, I'm going to root RMAC and I'm going to hope Fort Lewis can pull it off and, you know, start the new chapter off, you know, on the right foot. I just feel bad for people not being able to celebrate a victory in over a thousand days. Everybody should be able to celebrate a victory every now and then. It shouldn't take two and a half years, but that's where we're at with the Fort Lewis Skyhawks. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Top of the Mountain podcast, your best source for RMAC football news. Uh, Rev, real quickly before we get out of here, remind people where they can find your uh, articles that you write and remind people where they can follow you on your on your social medias. So you can follow me on Twitter at Rev Koka, R-E-V-K-O-K-A. Same thing, name Rev Koka. 
Once, if you go to bellyupsports.com, you can find my articles there. And to correct you from earlier, I haven't yet wrote the article. I just have it prepared. So tomorrow, Ham, I'm going to somewhere around somewhere around 12 o'clock or so, going to have that article out there just kind of previewing the focal points I'm looking for just when it comes to what – what I'm looking forward to in this Steelers Bengals game, just how's the offensive line going to look? That's the biggest question mark. You know, our pass rush and how they're going to need to get after it in order to prevent this dynamic passing game of Cincinnati to really get going and just kind of things I'm looking forward to in this game right here. Yeah, that'll be awesome to read when it does come out. Be sure to check out Rev's articles. He writes a ton for Belly Up Sports. Uh, be sure to, if you want more than just a Division II football perspective, you can listen to my other podcast, Rev's a Frequent Guest, especially when there's an MMA event coming up. Uh, it is the Far End of the Bench podcast with my co-host, Nico Bryan. On that show, you can listen every single Wednesday, uh, both on the Variety Sports Network as well as on our own feed, our YouTube channel, which is where you can watch the video of the Top of the Mountain podcast after it's released. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. Currently, we're still waiting to get approved on some of the other places. I lost the password, so we had to restart the feed. So we don't have, we're technically still affiliated with the season one, uh, but now we are on a totally new page. So you're going to have to follow a new uh, Spotify page. So be sure to do that. Follow the Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. Follow the far end of the bench at FEOTV pod. Listen to us every Wednesday. Listen to Rev and I every Friday. And, uh, until we have to come back here and recap this week's game of the week, Shadron State going to Utah Tech out in St. George, Utah. This has been Top of the Mountain Week 2 for myself, Jimmy Pilato, and Rev Coca. We will see you next week.